Ooby doo, what are you listening to? This is our look at the Jungle Book. On this episode of the Retro Rewind Podcast. Reflux capacitor, fluxing, crew, distinctions, scanning for the Jungle Book, 1967. Prepare to rewind in 3, 2, 1. Welcome, Rewinders and new listeners to the Retro Rewind Podcast, where we take a fresh look at movies and video games from 15 or more years ago. You can find this episode at RetroRewindPodcast.com slash 150. Oh my word. Where there are links to contact us and vote on the movies we cover. And if you end up loving the show and want to see it thrive, you can become a reflux capacitor, making our time travel possible alongside our patrons, Jared Holzhauer, Deborah Powers, Brian Keating, Patrick Hicks, LJ Lowry, Chris Cowan, Peter Panda, The Feel and Film Podcast, and new patron Chris Owens and new patron Geek Devotions, and three other awesome patrons as well. Thank you all so much for supporting us on Patreon. I am Francisco Ruiz, your captain of the pod, and sailing with me as always is your exo, Paul the Master Interrupter Powers. This show will take brains and brawn, Paul. And I'm the exo, the kiss and hug, so I guess I'm bringing that. All right, all right I can bring brains and brawns if you want. I would hope so. Exo, who is <laughs> rewinding with us for The Jungle Book? All right, this time we are joined by Aaron White and Chief Yeoman Patch Hicks, both from the fantastic Feelin' Film podcast. Be sure to check them out at feelinfilm.com and wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you, Paul. <laughs> Looking forward to hearing more from them later and also finding out how each of us answer this movie's trivial question. Yes, so there's one trivial question. We will all be answering it later in the episode, but here, here it is. The Vultures in the Jungle Book were originally going to be voiced by the Beatles. The band's manager, Brian Epstein, approached the Disney Studios about having the Beatles appear in the film, and Disney had his animators create the vultures specifically to be voiced by the band. However, John Lennon vetoed the idea, so the song was rewritten as a barbershop quartet to make it timeless. So our trivial question is, what animated animal would best suit the members of your favorite band? We will be answering that question as the show progresses, but for now, XO, here is our course for this episode. First, our roundtable discussion will consist of the trailer, synopsis, production details for The Jungle Book, and we'll discuss the things we liked and disliked about the movie. We'll follow that up with our final reign of classic, nostalgic, or tragic, and then come back to our own time with feedback and announcements. Got that ready, XO? Course laid in. Alice, ready when... Never you are. Rewind. Go. Alert. Alert. Approaching target. Spoilers incoming. Establishing analysis vector. Look for the... It's coming your way. One of Disney's all-time animated favorites, The Jungle Book. It's the unforgettable story of the boy who was raised by wolves, befriended by a bear, only to end up... In the wildest adventure of all, it's a tale filled with excitement, surprises, danger, and fun. Walt Disney's classic, The Jungle Book. Take me home, Daddy. <laughs> but uh, here's your memory mind melt synopsis for The Jungle Book. It starts off with so many credits. 
Sheesh. Mowgli meets some military elephants who stampede after seeing a mouse. Mowgli somehow defeats cause hypnotization, being all colorful and psychedelic. He also somehow defeats singing vultures who are your friends but are not the Beatles. And Mowgli also somehow defeats Shere Khan, but I have no idea how it ends. Totally forgotten. Uh, yeah, I'm going to have to play this one. Because, I mean, some elements of that were right, but way not in the right order and not really correct. So, there are no mouses, no mice in this film. Anyway, so that's what we remembered about The Jungle Book. But let's share what we predicted The Jungle Book would be before we actually rewatched it recently. Whether we thought it would be a classic and anyone would like it and nostalgic. It would only be suitable for people who enjoyed it as kids or tragic. We didn't think we would like it this time through. So let's go through our predictions. Let's start with our guests from Feel and Film Podcast. Uh, Aaron White, what was your prediction for The Jungle Book? My prediction was nostalgic. Nostalgic. And how about you, Patch Hicks? Well, my prediction was nostalgic as well. Okay. Three, two, bleh. I can't count. <laughs> two nostalgic <Three>, <laughs> so far. How about you, Paul? One classic for me. Classic. And Paul, what, what would you predict I rated this? Tragic. <laughs> you got it. And this is from the man who says he doesn't hate Disney hey, movies. So I looked recently through our roster and I've classif- classified Mary Poppins. Okay. And the fact that you can count them one. on one hand is. <laughs> there's at least it one means more. you hate Disney. <laughs> I said nostalgic for uh, okay. Robin Hood. Good. <laughs> That's good. Oh, classic for Lion King. So that was classic. Well, slow clap for you, sir. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you guys. So that's how we predicted the Jungle Book would pan out rain wise, our rain wise, before we rewatched it. Paul, what were some of the technical details that went to this movie? Like who was in it, how to do the box office, those types of things. Sure. The Jungle Book is rated PG, runs an hour and 51 minutes, and was released December 25th, 1994. It was directed by Stephen Summers and stars uh, Jason Scott Lee, Carrie Always, and a few other people you may or may not recognize, like wait, John wait. Cleese. Oh, my gosh. I was totally not. I was just, like, nodding my head, like, okay, yeah. wait, Carrie Always. Sounds good. Really? What? Yeah. I'm not Disney's talking about... The Jungle Book. I'm not... Paul, we're talking about the I got, 60, I got a little scared. I got a little 60. scared because you were nodding and I was like, <laughs> the right one. <laughs> we're doing the 67 version of the Jungle Book, Paul. You said Disney's the Jungle Book. The animated, traditionally animated, oh, 1967 fine. version. Oh, then what are you asking me for the details if you know them all so well? Fine. The Jungle Book is rated G, runs an hour and 18 minutes, and was released October 18th on 1967. That one? Yes, that one. Okay, good. All right. It was directed by Wolfgang Reitman and it stars Phil Harris, Sebastian Caba, Bruce Reitherman, George Sanders, and a few or few other few other people you may or may not recognize, like Winnie the Pooh. Yes, and <laughs> though... Uh, the voice of Ka, Winnie the Pooh, was... Sterling We Holloway. haven't... Yeah, he hasn't been in any of the movies we've covered. But some of the actors who were in The Jungle Book, who have been in other movies we've covered on the podcast, are Phil Harris, who voiced Baloo. He was also, of course, Little John in Disney's animated Robin Hood, which was RetroRewindPodcast.com slash 127. 
Sebastian Cabot voiced Bagheera. In addition to Sir Ector and slash the narrator and the Sword in the Stone uh, slash one hundred twenty three, J. Pat O'Malley was Colonel Halthy Hathy the elephant. I don't know how to pronounce it. Uh, slash Buzzy. I'm not sure who that was. Oh, maybe one of the uh, vultures. The Anyways. bees are buzzing in the tree. I don't know. Sure. Uh, but he also voiced Otto from Disney's animated Robin Hood, again, slash 127, and a pearly drummer slash master of hounds slash huntsman in Mary Poppins slash 28. And finally, uh, Verna Felton voiced an elephant. I believe it was the mom slash wife slash rightful leader of the naturally matriarchal <laughs> elephant rightful herd. Rightful leader. <laughs> yeah. Well, they are matriarchal creatures. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, so she, that was Verna voiced her. And also Aunt Sarah, I knew I didn't like you, uh, from Lady and the Tramp slash 145. Wow. Actually, she was fine in this. I didn't mind her in this at all. It was just the answer. <laughs> <laughs> So yes. the budget of that film, <laughs> the sixty-seven a, version, the sixty-seven version, okay. was about four million dollars and went on to gross almost four hundred million dollars worldwide. Whoa! In fact, if you adjust the budget, uh, not the budget, if you adjust the income, the box office income uh-huh. for the United States, yeah, okay, for all the G-rated movies that were shown in the United States for, for the box office, uh-huh. where do you think it ranked in the top 200? Rated G, USA alone, adjusted inflation. All animated G movies? Not animated. All G all movies. G. Uh, let's start with Pat. What do you think? Well, let me just say, Pick- that, kind of, that kind of statistic sounds a lot like the baseball statistics that are like, he's betting 500 in domed stadiums on a Thursday <laughs> when yes. it's 45 degrees outside. So let me just say that whatever data, whatever result comes from this, it's bound to be skewed because it's got such a narrow kind of thing. But I'm going to say probably in the top 50. So okay. 48. I'll say 48. 48. Good guess. Okay. How about you, Aaron? Well, I don't think Paul would be asking us this question unless it was extremely high in that top 200. So I'm going to say it's top 10, and I'm going to say it's number 7. Oh, wow. I'm, going, I'm going $1. $1. Number 1. Cause number 1? Just because I want to win. with the wind. <laughs> <laughs> That's G? The animated yeah. version. Holy the animated God. version of <laughs> with the wind. <laughs> the live action is like... It's, it's for the kids. Scarlet, I don't give a dawn. <laughs> It's actually Aaron wins being the closest, number nine. Number it nine. is in the top oh, ten. Okay, wow. I was off by two in a yeah. range of 200? What do I win? Uh, New car? Respect. New car. Respect. You win loads we of respect. To, a car really, full of respect. I'd rather have a car. That's yeah, well, uh, yeah, we don't have that budget. But continuing on, Paul. All right. Well, let's talk about <laughs> the things we liked. I, I mean, I like some of those details. But I don't like that I didn't win. And we'll talk about likes and dislikes now. Let's start with our guests. Let's start with actually Aaron first. What's one thing you really liked about The Jungle Book? Well, I'm going to say that the one of the things that I liked and the thing that I remembered the most from this film, going back to it for this viewing, mm-hmm. was just the memorable characters. So even though... Bagheera and Baloo are really the only ones that play a large role in the story. Everybody else has kind of a bit part mm-hmm. when it comes to screen time. They're all extremely identifiable mm-hmm. and 
they're iconic in culture today. Like we know who these are. If you mention Ka, people will recognize that name. If you mention Sher Khan, people will recognize that. Mm-hmm. And when you look at how much they were in this movie, it's pretty impressive, honestly. Right. And I just love it because they fit the personalities of the animals so well. They do, yeah. yeah. In fact, that was one of my likes is is the personalities and the voices. I, the, you're right; they are so memorable and they jump off screen. And you're you're so correct. Each one is unique, and and I was about to say personable, but that's not the right word because I hope I don't get personable with Ka. But <laughs> well, uh, yeah, go ahead. And you know, add to added to that, and this is one of my likes. Uh, not only the voice, but I felt like. The character design for all these animals, each mm. one, even ones of the same species, was really distinct and really brought a lot of character to each one. And like Shere Khan, even though, I mean, it's colorful Disney film, you you just knew he was the villain because of just, I don't know, I'm not quite sure what they did to his design, but you knew it's that. an English accent. Or maybe it was that. <laughs> but, uh, Baloo, Bagheera, the wolves. I mean, you, you sort of knew... Wh- you knew more about the character than just a voice performance would give you and just like the name would give you. I I felt like there was something intrinsic about how they were, the characters were designed that really lent to who they were as, as uh, parts of this story. Uh, Patch that leaves you. What's something you liked? Well, tag on that i think specifically phil harris stands out to me Mm. he is one of my favorite voice actors and specifically because of his voice work in uh in robin hood the animates the animated feature playing uh, little john that's where i first heard his voice and yeah echoing what you said francisco i think he is the the quintessential example of really crafting a character Mm -hmm. around a voice because i think his voice lends itself to being a bear. I mean, he's a bear in both the jungle book and in Robin hood. And he's got that really deep ethereal, just kind of rich voice. Like, yeah, yeah. And in the, in the 2016 reimagining, I thought Bill Murray did the exact same thing. I mean, we already knew who Baloo was. We knew the bear, we knew his character. And I think that Bill Murray's voice lended itself to the iconicness of Baloo as a character. But I think that, character himself he (laughs) he really stands out so when i think of baloo or when i think of little john phil harris is going to come to mind he's always going to be that quintessential voice yeah Yeah. and 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 i i feel like uh, because we for those who aren't aware we uh paul and i were on the feeling film podcast uh what was that episode number again guys 114 114 114 uh so go check that out if you want to hear our thoughts on the unbelievable, just unbelievable, The Jungle Book 2016. Why are you shaking the your head? photorealistic <laughs> Jungle Book. It is photorealistic, exactly. But you can go hear our thoughts over there. And uh, Literally unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> one of the things that, uh, just c- touching on what you just said, Patch, yeah, Bill Murray, I think, did a great job there. He was a very lovable Baloo. But yeah, Phil Harris, I mean... Phil we'll Harris knocked it out of the park. Yeah, I mean, and you know what? I might as well just say that was my classic maker. It was Baloo's performance? It was just I, I loved oh, wow. Phil Harris, wow. and it's just I cared for this Baloo so much more, and I felt so much more emotion from this version, especially when 
uh, his tie with Mowgli, I feel like he cares for Mowgli so much more, and there's such a deeper friendship. Well, he never said we're not friends. You know, and he sang with them. And he danced with them. In fact, it was more like a father son. You know, like and, I'm oh, gonna maybe that's yeah, that's true. He was trying to teach him, you know, the bare necessities. Yeah. It was it was less of a oh, you're helping me get honey, and now yeah. I guess we're pals. It was more yeah. of like a mentor, right? Uh, relationship, and maybe that's why I appreciate it about it more. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was my classic maker, but we're not really truly there yet. Let's go back to Paul. What's something else you liked? Um, as a student of animation, I really appreciate uh, traditional animation. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so one of the things that I really enjoyed was not only the character designs that you mentioned, Francisco, but the expressiveness in those characters, the expressions when that they're talking. And it's something that I missed in the live remake with the, the John Favreau one that we uh, discussed on the other podcast, Feel and Film, check them out plug number 32 anyway (laughs) (laughs) but the expressions that all the characters have just brought i felt more emotion and more um umph to the the characters and their performance so i really appreciated that did yeah absolutely go ahead i was just gonna say did a patrick aaron did any of you really like the animation in this well i think that's where the strength of the animated feature of this story lives and as much as we joke about the photorealistic animals versus like animated animals. I really do think that this would be the argument for, uh, for Francisco's point that the way in which these talking animals emote themselves through the animation, mm-hmm. it lends itself to that suspension of disbelief. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's not really a conflict there. We have all these characters that come to life. And from the very beginning, when we, when we see these characters talking to each other, we just assume that, oh, they're not talking bear, they're not talking wolf, they're not talking whatever. They're just talking and mm-hmm. they're making sense because of the fact that it's animated. And I think the plus one of that is the fact that the animation, it's, it is classic because it's obviously not CG, but yeah. it's classic in the sense that there's a lot of, I feel like there's a lot of love that goes into the drawing mm-hmm. because... I mean, if you know traditional animation, how long it takes to just go from frame to frame to frame, the way that Mowgli walks and the way that Ka slithers, all these different movements really amplify the character traits that we talked about, you know, with the voices. So where the voices leave off, the animation continues in that, not believability necessarily, but that suspension of disbelief and that entertainment factor just goes up for me. Yeah. And I want to even point out, I was blown away by the animation and they used it twice and I I can totally forgive them because it's excellent. But when Ka is like his whatever his tail or whatever falls off the tree and he comes spinning through and like twirling around, I was just I, I mean, I was just so impressed by how beautiful and how how just how wonderful that looked animated you need to watch more tom and jerry cartoons because man when jerry wraps that tom's tail around an anvil and travels all through the house you know tom's gonna go through the house too (laughs) it wasn't the action it was just that that was really beautifully done and i was like oh this is yeah this is a disney animated animation i like sorry aaron go ahead no everything about Ka is and i think that's it was interesting to me because i hate snakes and so normally i'm not watching snake parts Uh But the hypnosis scenes, they're so colorful. And yeah. sure, Khan, when he comes on screen, he is so bright and striking compared oh, totally. to everything else. 
every other animal in the entire movie. He, I think that's part of what makes him feel so majestic and, mm-hmm. you know, so powerful. Mm-hmm. So the, the animation for me was kind of hit and miss. It, oh, okay. I think that there were some incredible sequences, but there are also plenty of frames where Mowgli is moving around mm-hmm. where you can tell it's from 1967 and mm-hmm. it's, it's not up to the standard of something we had just, you know, I just, I watched this or rewatched it the day after having seen Incredibles two. So okay. <laughs> what when you, what when you're comparing, right, like <laughs> you can't, you know, I'm not saying one is better than the other, but oh, sure, yeah. there is such a, there was a definite distinction for me in the human character, mm. but in the animals, it works perfectly. And I actually prefer it to the photorealistic style by a little bit. So I can mm-hmm. see that about Mowgli. Like if it did feel like a 67 animation, like quality, did you feel the same way about Shere Khan at all? I'm curious about no, his animation. I thought, I thought Shere Khan looked quite well. I think all of the animals look pretty good. Oh, so it's mainly human. Okay. I don't know that yes. I can describe it very well, but what it would have felt like was it almost felt like Mowgli was a piece of paper mm. that was moving on top of a, another piece of paper. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes I could where see the that. animals for me felt more fluid and part of the scenery. Yeah, it's almost like they they went. I, I imagine they went to a zoo or some sanctuary or something and did research. I know I did that. They did that for the Lion King. I'm not sure if they did that back in the '60s, but it it sort of had that feel like they they knew how the musculature worked and and or at least enough to make it look believable. And <laughs> I'm not yeah, making a pun yeah. or anything. I'm just saying believable. Yeah, yeah. And rehash some of the animation from 101 Dalmatians, but that's okay. Oh, sure. Okay, uh, <laughs> fine. <laughs> but Mo- yeah, it's almost like they Mowgli was an afterthought. However, another like I had, and why I asked you about Shere Khan was, I thought he was a super interesting villain. I, I was... Ooh, that's I, interesting. I, okay, thanks, Phoebe. I just... Uh, oh, no, that's Rachel. Darn yeah. it. <laughs> Friends reference aside, I... It was interesting to me how late in the film he came. I was yeah. expecting him to be much earlier, just like the the 2016 version. And I I feel like that um, that brought that he came so later in the film brought with it a sense of mystique and also uh, and just a more of a menace that he's the main bad guy who's everyone who's everyone who everyone is afraid of, and so th- that you don't see him until more the end. I feel like even though he is a very colorful tiger and not super like threatening necessarily. He is much more of the cunning tiger and uh, like political intrigue type tiger. Yeah. 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 That's the perfect way I put it. So he was, he was another thing I really liked. Clever girl. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Patch, what's something else you liked? I was really, entertained by Mowgli's adaptation and modeling of the individual creatures as he was coming into contact with them. Oh yeah. Um, you saw him, you saw him with, with the wolves initially. And then, uh, it was really, I was really caught off guard in a great way by his adaptation with the elephants, the way in which mm-hmm. he walked on all fours and wanted to be a part of that, that troop. And in particular, when, the main elephant is going down inspecting all of the other different elements in the fact that he gets to Mowgli and he, and he doesn't go, who is this? Instead he goes, ah, a new recruit. Right. And it's only until Mowgli talks, which I think is kind of, <laughs> I don't know if it's 
funny or just dumb. <laughs> they both speak English, but only when Mowgli talks does he say, oh, you're a man cub. Yeah. Like, so mm, not really sure about that. But <laughs> I, I think throughout the movie, even in particular with Baloo, the way in which he fights, the way in which he learns to box, the, with the birds kind of adapting with them, I just thought it was very much like what a man cub would do. But you, you see a, a sense of this in the 2016 adaptation where his adaptation becomes a strength of that because he's learning how to be part of these, part of these groups and mm-hmm. building off of their strengths. And in this version, I think it brings a sense of camaraderie. One of the themes that I enjoyed about both of the, uh, the iterations and, uh, but from a visual standpoint alone, it's incredibly entertaining. It's the one of the main parts that I smiled at throughout was whenever he would attach himself to a group of animals or birds or whatever, and, mm. and just be a part of that. So I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Very cool. Well, let's go with Aaron now. What's one more thing you liked? And then we'll get to our classic makers. Well, mine was kind of a scene and on our show, we do connecting points. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, you know, it's hard for me not to think about that. Sure. When I watch any movie nowadays, Patrick can, can attest to this. We just, watch them with a new angle. And I think for my connecting point, mm-hmm. it would have been this scene. And it is one that I completely forgot being in the film. And so, it's Bagheera's eulogy for Baloo. Oh, This yeah. is something that does not exist in the remake. And having not watched this movie, like many older films in 30 plus years or so, I, mm-hmm. I fully have forgotten about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he literally quotes Jesus. Yep. And so that sticks out, right? <laughs> I was like, wait a second, where have I heard greater love hath no one than he who lays down his life for his friend? That is that it's either a it's either like a Beatles song, like you were talking about earlier, or that's Jesus. And so uh, King I was, James, I think, said yeah. it too. <laughs> oh no. But yes, you know, there's there's a, a powerful point that he's yeah. making in this moment. And it the scene is just so brilliant because Bagheera is going along and just giving him this incredibly uh, memorable uh, speech about how he was sacrificial and how brave and noble Baloo the bear was. Mm-hmm. It's it's so sweet. Yeah. And it, what it shows you is this friendship between Bagheera and Baloo that you normally have not seen throughout the right. film. You think of them as rivals. Oh, yeah, you think yeah. of them as competitive because they have different directions that they want Mowgli's life to go. Mm-hmm. But, they vote for different political parties. Yes. But they're still friends at the end of the day. And, and this scene really shows that. And of course, in that perfect disney way it comes out with a humor moment and baloo waking up and bagheera feeling like oh come on that's not nice i can't believe you did that to me you know and it ties into the end of the film for me because despite their arguments later they walk away with their arms over each other singing together and it really to me cements like hey these guys are friends the whole time they just have a different viewpoint on something and they can disagree without it changing how deep their relationship truly is and i I just love it man love Mm -hmm. it yeah that's fantastic i I, I didn't pick up on that um, and i'm really glad that you called attention to that because you're right that isn't something that we are prone to see in a what I would consider a lighthearted animated feature. I mean, this is, mm-hmm. this is the one moment that I think has some solemnness to it. And oh, even totally. though, you know, Baloo is not dead. There's a sense of tenderness. There's a sense of sincerity that exists in that. And I think that type of sincerity lives in some of the early 
60s and 70s animated films. It's hidden, just like I think in this one. Mm-hmm. But when you see it, it's incredibly powerful in a way that I think is um, surpri- pleasantly surprising at the very least. Totally. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Let's talk about the things that pleasantly surprised us the most, our classic makers. I already gave mine, it being the voice performance of Phil, Phil Harris, I think it was Baloo's uh, yes. voice first. But let's go through your guys. Let's start with Paul. The songs are most memorable. Uh, they're yeah, I want to hear about that. Let's talk. Go no, just kidding. Are you <laughs> just kidding me. <laughs> they're the best part of this movie. Uh, they're I memorable. Know, they're upbeat. <laughs> I even like uh, the Colonel Marches song, and even um, uh, what caused trust in me is not as upbeat as some of the others, mm-hmm. but it's still. It it still adds to the scene and it's still memorable. Made I me want to sing Arabian Nights. It is so similar. <laughs> yeah. It really is. Wow. I didn't notice that, but yeah. <laughs> Good job, Sherman Brothers. Uh, awesome. So the songs. Uh, Patch or Aaron, were the songs either of your classic makers? And if not, Aaron, let's go with your next classic maker. Well, Mine... Ties into that a bit. Mine is Bo- Bogley. No, Baloo. <laughs> uh, wow. Baloo and Mowgli's relationship. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it's different than the version that we talked about on our show, the remake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because in that one, I remember criticizing it because of how Baloo is instantly selfish. It's all about him. He wants Mowgli to be used to get something for him, the honey. In this one, it is instantaneously a fun friendship and instead he is incredibly supportive of Mowgli. He pushes forward Mowgli's confidence. He doesn't use him. And I mean, the first thing he does is to teach Mowgli to fight. Like it's for Mowgli's benefit, not Baloo's. Mm -hmm. He even talks multiple times about the man village and how they're going to ruin him. And I love that line. He says, they'll make a man out of him. Like it's (laughs) a terrible thing. Maybe it is. I don't know. But then you get yeah. to go through the drama of realizing that he goes through the drama as a character of realizing that he could be bad for Mowgli yeah, yeah, and yeah. that he has to do what is best for the child, which ultimately could mean not including him. And that's very reminiscent of the the common saying, you know, like if you love it, let it go uh, mm-hmm. kind of, kind of thing. Sometimes what we love is not necessarily good for us in the moment. Mm-hmm. And I can't imagine having to make that choice. And I think that for a 1967 animated film with a fun, cuddly bear to be able to evoke that mm-hmm. is pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, just, I mean, that ties into bear necessities, like the whole song. And, and really, if you engage with that song and you listen to it and you read the lyrics, it's mm-hmm. pretty darn powerful uh, in what it's saying it's encouraging us not to think about things that we can't have Mm -hmm. and that will quote unquote never come our way it's encouraging us to stop worrying and to live in the moment Hmm. and you know whether you think that's good advice or not uh there are times for sure when it is good advice so I, i just think there's such a philosophical and emotional heft to that relationship it's it really is the center of this film and it doesn't quite do that in the remake when mm-hmm. you when you know, put them so closely back to back. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and I feel like what Paul said about it being more of a, a mentorship role, and you don't see a lot of films these days where there's this, especially like a a, a, a father figure that's maybe not the father and a younger uh, male character. That's not a typical. At least you don't see that as much nowadays. Paint so the I, fence. 
Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Mr. <laughs> exactly. Uh, oh my gosh, just made me think of Cobra Kai. <laughs> yeah, yes, it did, and that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, that that's that's a, a great one, Aaron. I can totally see that, and uh, yeah, I have nothing more to say. You said it great, Patch. How about your classic maker? Well, this is why Aaron and I podcast together because I picked the same one. And okay, then we I, go on to just kidding. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, I don't have much to add. The The song, I think, specifically stands out, like you mentioned, Paul, because it's catchy, but it's that moment that I think really bonds Mowgli and Baloo uh, from a movie standpoint. There's an iconic scene that I will always remember. The one thing that I do remember from this movie, even if I'd never watch it again, I, it's been so many years since I'd watched it before this podcast. Mm-hmm. The Same one here. moment is Mowgli on Baloo's stomach, floating, in the river or mm-hmm. the stream. Yeah, yeah. You think of that and you see a father-son relationship, but you but as we know from watching the, this movie, it is a mentor-mentee relationship. It's Baloo wanting to be altruistic because he sees Mowgli as someone important. I think at one point, it's near the end of the film when Mowgli leaves to go to the man village, Baloo says, I would have loved to seen I would have loved to have seen what it he would have been like as a bear. Mm-hmm. You know, he wants to kind of see him and and there might be some regret in that. But I think that that moment obviously is his way of, like you mentioned, Aaron, letting, letting go and being being OK with that. And um, but I think that the scene epitomized by the bare necessities and its powerful lyrics really amplify how important that relationship is to the movie. I don't think the jungle book would be nearly as good without that relationship. I think it's the thing that holds the film together is the relationship between Baloo and Mowgli. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That makes me wonder if it's as strong in the book, if that's, if that's a linchpin for the well, book as well. I have no idea. Yeah, I, read it I don't know, but I remember in the opening credits, this book was taken from the, I think it was called Mowgli's stories or Mowgli's mm-hmm. adventure. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 And so it makes me wonder if this is just one snippet of the, of the book mm-hmm. that leads to, I guess, some you know something else. It's, yeah, it's, it's thoughts that I have in regards to our next section. So oh, okay, okay, well, okay. Then we'll do that. Well, before we get to our next section, now that we've all gone through our classmakers, our next section is what do you remember about uh, the Jungle Book? We like to go out to social media, and if anyone's here live in the chat when we get to the section, Dale has a comment that uh, Phil Harris and Baloo the Bear—that's one hip bear. <laughs> Harris made him hipper. Baloo introduced the world to a twerking well before Miley Cyrus made it a thing. Nice, Dale. Nice. (laughs) But we have some other feedback. First off, Celeste Morris says, I absolutely loved this movie. It was one of the ones I learned to sing in the voices of the characters, and I still quote lines from it on a fairly regular basis. Uh, Wardale White says, The Bear Necessities. Baloo the Bear, a snake that sounds like Winnie the Pooh. George Sanders and Sebastian Cabot as Shere Khan and Bagheera. The Jungle Book was a fun time. Listening to my father laugh at the gags and jokes was enjoyable. I believe I saw it on the Disney Channel when uh, everyone, adults even, could enjoy watching together. I would see it in the theaters years later on a re-release. It was and still is a masterpiece. Maybe not at the same caliber as uh, Snow White, Pinocchio, or Cinderella. I would say it's higher than those. Uh, that's my editorial. But on the, Dale says, but on the basis of true fun. Oh, okay. 
And then LJ Lowry says, the songs are easily the most memorable. So it sounds like he'd agree with you, Paul. So thank you, Celeste, yeah. uh, Wardale, and LJ. Paul, uh, what other memories did people have? Melody Lynn says, the earworm of bare necessity song. And uh, my mom says, uh, it was great fun to watch, heart, heart. And if you want to hear my mom more, you can uh, listen to more episodes where she's on. Indeed. Deborah Powers. Uh, the.movie.update says, nice. <laughs> and Shannon Sisson says, that was the first movie I saw in a theater. And I've heard other people say that, too. Really? Yeah. Interesting. I trying to remember what the first movie I you saw. old listeners. <laughs> Thank well, you. Well, it's probably rewatch. <laughs> or they're oh. just retro. Yes, yes exactly. Uh, I'm trying to think of what the first movie I saw in the theater was. I have no idea. Yeah. Well, that's a question for another time. Maybe a trivial question for another time. Speaking of trivial questions. I have to ask my parents. I don't remember. I will reread the question and let's share what we, how we would answer this question. So, again, our true question is, what animated animal would best suit the members of your favorite band? So, I'll go first, if you guys need a little bit more time to think. For me, my favorite band is Switchfoot. And since they're a bunch of surfers, I think they would best be characterized by a, a bunch of sea otters. Even though sea otters, they oh, that's great. They do form rafts, and which I didn't realize this. I'm doing some research. They actually will uh, sort of interlink arms and stay together in big groups. Uh, like the record is like two thousand otters in one raft. But during mating season, that, that's the kibosh has gone on that. Everyone, every guy is out for himself apparently. But uh, I thought that, so I thought that worked for Switchfoot. How about Paul? The reason why I said that's great with the sea otters is because mine band is also tied with the ocean, and that's the Beach Boys. Oh, um, nice! And I, and to me, they're they're more typically fun loving like with song fun 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 so i was thinking maybe like dopey labrador retrievers on the beach (laughs) Uh, except brian wilson he's the depressed one (laughs) (laughs) very cool okay so labrador's on the beach nice uh aaron how about you you know i i I don't really know i'm i'm hedging my bet i'm i'm guessing where patrick's gonna go with his (laughs) his uh favorite band this question we'll beat him to the punch but uh actually i'm mine is jimmy eat world and okay. that makes it very difficult for me yeah. to pick an animal yeah, um, yeah. you think you choose unicorn if, if anything but oh yeah you know i'm gonna say squirrels because oh. they're highly energetic and so i'm gonna just latch on to one singular trait uh, i was trying okay. to think of an animal that could combine energy with emotion and the only one i could think of is a cat potentially sure Different, different types of cats. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe that's what they are. Maybe they're just a whole bunch of different breeds of cats or something. Nice. But, um, yeah, either way, squirrels, cats, something with high energy that was always moving around and bouncing around. Very cool. And Patch? I was going to go with Sing Street, but no, I'm, I'm just kidding. I love it. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> a real band. Mine's an artist, and honestly, I don't think anybody could argue it. For me, it's Matt Carney. He is probably... Oh, yes. <laughs> Portland native, what, what? Yeah, I, I or, recently uh, tweeted, native, I should say. You know, whatever, it's cool. Um I recently tweeted that he could basically write a soundtrack to my life because there's not a single song that I don't like that yeah. he puts out. Like it's every album can be listened to start to finish. 
And I just started thinking, okay, what animal kind of epitomizes his personality? He is, he's got this smooth kind of hip hop and contemporary singer songwriter type thing. Mm -hmm. And so the only animal, and he's got that, you know, he's got the iconic hat. And so the only animal I could really think of that kind of has that kind of smooth swiftness was a fox. For me, I think he's got that, it's got that kind of like, he, he moves fast with his lyrics, but at the same time, he can slow it down a little bit and he can be kind of cunning in the way that he uh, he plays with his words. The runner-up was uh, was Adam Young or Owl City, and I was going to go with more of a chipmunk uh, type thing too, just because he's all, he's all over the place. His new <laughs> album is just completely, it's fun to listen to. Uh, and, so it's not it, an owl? It's not, wouldn't that be fun? Yeah, I didn't want to be that on the nose with it. So. All right. That's so right. the fox guy, is he more like Robin Hood fox or? I, I think so, yeah. Because right. I think he has the ability to uh, to know, know when to steal Hold from the rich to give to the poor. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Kenny Rogers, right? <laughs> or even more fantastic Mr. Fox. That's what yeah. I was George Clooney-esque, yeah. I just, I just think he has a sense of debonairness and, and kind of, yeah, fanciness to him that, you know, his stage when I got to see him for the first time, well, first and only time live when I was visiting Aaron several years back. And uh, he was uh, he was definitely Fox like with the way he performed. It was just good stuff. Yeah, I, I loved was it. Right, by the way, I loved it. Uh, when you, oh, go ahead, Aaron. I was right, by the way. I just just wanted to. Point oh, that out. that you knew he was going to. That was my Carter. prediction. Yeah. Oh, OK. Yeah, I knew yours was going to be Jimmy Eat World. I didn't know which <laughs> one was going to be that. I, you know, I love it when Matt Carney does this song. What is? What does the fox say? Anyone? What does the fox say? Anyway, well, if you're looking for a band and you like our sort of taste, check out maybe Switchfoot, Beach Boys, Beach Boys, or Matt Carney or Jimmy World. All right, now that we've had some fun with our trivial question and what you guys remembered about the Jungle Book, let's let's take things down a notch with the things we didn't like so much about this Disney animated classic, quote-unquote. Uh, I'll kick us off, guys, because why not? <clears throat> okay. So... Page one. <laughs> <laughs> He's holding up his notebook like, wow, let me see. Where do I start? All right. And this was... This was a gripe I had with the the live action remake as well. So, talking uh, animals bad. No, Why do they talk? No, that's fine. Boo. I don't mind talking. Boo. Oh my gosh, guys. No, it's uh, and uh, I think Akila or maybe Mowgli's wolf dad. I forget what his name was. One of them says something like the the pack is no match for a tiger or a Shere Khan or something like that. I'm like, no, it's not. That is not true. A strength. The strength of a coordinated pack is definitely a match for a tiger. If you have, and we talked about it's this online. It's not a online. coordinated pack. They're in their freaking den. They're going to be coordinated no. to defend it. And not these guys. They're Hakuna Matata. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're not. They're wolves. I, I cannot see how they would not, especially with young there, how they're not going to defend that den to the death. And, uh, and, if there were maybe two of them, two wolves, maybe okay. They have the tiger's gonna plants they win. feed on. Dancing so. bear, marching elephants, totally fine. That's normal. That's yeah. just normal in the jungle. But dadgummit, those wolves that don't <laughs> don't fight the tiger. That is unacceptable. That is it's, right. it's not it's not that they didn't fight him, it's that they said they were no match for him. Just take that yes, line out. Because they've tried. Just, just take that line out and and you're fine. Anyway, that's right. something I don't like. 
That is a little All cripple. Right. Patch, what's something you don't like? Well, I'm going to go back to my earlier comment about this seeming like a piece of what uh, Kipling's book is about, which is the stories of Mowgli. Mm-hmm. And for me, the overall story really felt like a series of just short, abrupt adventures. I mean, you had this one, yeah. this one, you had this one narrative of like, we need to get you to the man village. Okay. Yes. And that's, that's the plot. Like, that's it. That's, that's the agency. And then we have these different adventures along the way. And I wouldn't mind that so much, except that the adventures with the exception of Baloo didn't really seem subjectively speaking as interesting. Like what are you I felt talking like, okay. about? I thought it was Again, great. Go ahead. I'll is, let you finish before I stomp all where, over it. Fine. This is where cinematic subjectivity comes in with the words like for me, you know, when I pre when we make <laughs> oh, it for me, dang it. That I didn't find a lot of the other interactions interesting. I, I liked Ka's initial kind of manipulation mm-hmm. with Mowgli, mm-hmm. but then coming back and singing that second song, I was like haven't we already had your moment with Ka? We don't really need that again. Mm-hmm. Um, so overall for me, I just, <clears throat> I, I didn't mind those different adventures, but they just didn't seem to keep me interested uh, as the narrative was moving forward. I thought they were great. Ka you comes back. For us, Patrick. All right, fine. What's up? You? You're you speaking for two. For us. Okay. 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 Because I, I agree. Okay. Good. Then I'm, I'm. Oh, so that was one of your dislikes as well, Aaron. Actually, that's my tragic maker. It is that big of a deal to me. Well, I, go I, ahead I, and expound. That's fine. I, I think that the the nature of the film is just essentially Mowgli walking around the jungle, interacting with animals that are cute and fun in different ways. And yeah. there's a couple of emotions. Which is why moments, I like the movie. <laughs> but they don't connect everything together in a bigger picture, and ultimately. Mm-hmm. This thing ends in a very kind of troubling way. Mowgli sees a girl for the first time and ditches his bros and mm. is gone. Yeah, After the entire film, it, that's not how it goes, Paul. That's not, <laughs> uh, what, what did Paul say? I missed that. <laughs> he said it backwards. Um, but, you know, the whole film, he's, he's wanting to stay. He's wanting to stay. It's all about trying to stay. And then, literally, it's one glimpse of this girl in a river and it's off to the village. He goes happily trampsing away and like hormones are a powerful thing. (laughs) I I just felt like it was, it was very anticlimactic the way that it, it wrapped up. And I guess that makes sense because not a lot happened Mm -hmm. over the course of it. So I I am right there with you, Patrick. That was the biggest thing that kept it from elevating into a a greatness for me. So you don't feel like Shere Khan being sort of this uh, menace wasn't enough of a through line. I agree with you, but I'm curious what you feel. He doesn't show up, like you said, until nearly the end of the film, and all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, here's this other bad guy that also exists in the jungle. I mean, the fight with him lasts, what, literally less than a minute, maybe two minutes, the scenes where they have conflict? I honestly don't remember. Well, it's a good thing that somebody says, well, we'll never see him anymore, because that takes care of him. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently, no... uh, What's that line? No one's ever really dead in like sci-fi and fantasy, but in Disney movies, if we say they're gone, they're gone. Oh gosh! Anyway, unless you're Marvel, it's owned by Disney, which nobody really ever. Okay, died. fine. Patch, call me out on my inconsistencies. Except Paul, Ben Parker. What's something you didn't like? Uh, 
Wow, there's just so much to talk about on those other two points, but we'll move <laughs> on. Um, uh, I said before I was a student of animation, and one of the things I didn't like is what Aaron pointed out in the last part, is that uh, some of the animation is is not on it's not as great quality as it could be you mentioned Mowgli he's basically sliding around on rocks in the jungles he's not weighted down um and that yeah. has to do with lining up between the the foreground characters and the background uh uh paintings and it, it he's so there's there's some of that going on technically some of the animation isn't correct where it it should be which is annoying for uh, someone who enjoys animation as well, or for as much as I do. And then my preference of the sketchy animation style is 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 negative. I don't like the sketchy animation style See, usually. I didn't notice it as and much in this. Some, it? Right? It, no, okay. in this movie, it mixed. There were some scenes okay. where it was really sketchy, and some scenes where it was really clean. Yeah. And it was for me. I was. I really appreciated the the ones that were less sketchy. Uh-huh. And I wish they would have shown that much devotion and that much care throughout. Yeah. So it it kind of annoyed me. It's like, oh, it could have been that much better. So, do you? Su- I'm curious. Do any of you? So I don't know if you guys. You guys probably know this. Paul probably especially that uh, Walt Disney actually passed away during the production of this movie or before yes. it was released, something like that? Yes, he did never th- saw the finished film, but he did know the finished story. Did you think that had any factor or weight oh, on yeah. it? Like, it could have been, like, clean lines, oh, Walt's dead, uh, drawing sketch lines. Well, they ha- they definitely had a, a, a deadline to meet, but Disney was... <laughs> a uh, deadline? Oh, oh gosh. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, I mean, Walt. But, you know, you, if, if it applies... <laughs> um, <laughs> But Disney was also very, he was also known as a taskmaster in the studio. So he would keep them in line and he would demand perfection. Mm-hmm. So with him gone, I could see some of these little minor things starting to slip in order to meet that, for lack of a better word, deadline. Mm-hmm. All right. Good to know. Uh, let's go back to Aaron. Now, what's something that you just generally didn't like? Um, I'm going to be the social justice warrior for five seconds. Okay. And I'm not going to say that this bothers me a tremendous amount, but I can see how in 2018 this could cause problems. And that is, why are you counting down? Your five seconds is up. Oh, gosh. (laughs) I was wondering that too, Aaron. Uh, Bagheera's speech to Baloo, at one point he talks about how birds of a feather flock together. And he Mm -hmm. says, you know, you wouldn't marry a panther, would you? Uh, which you know can be perceived as a lack of diversity or lack of inclusivity in some ways. And but I identify myself as a panther. The, uh, yeah, I know. There's different <laughs> viewpoints on this. I'm just bringing possibly one that All could right. be someone out there. But know? I wouldn't marry one just because I identify as one. And the monkeys, you know, sing about wanting to be humans, and it's all this big joke. And there's it, just a a general feeling in the film that you stay in your lane like you're a bear you deal with bears you're a man you go deal with men you are a panther you stay with panthers do you think it's trying to make that type of social commentary because i honestly agree we are different races humans are different from animals we should be i mean i mean there are pets but i mean in general we should not be living well actually that'll be part of my spiritual question there which will be interesting but i don't think we're meant to live with wild animals really 
Wow, the lion will lay with the lamb. What are you going to do? No, you stay over there. <laughs> the lion must be, be gone. Here, here. Enough with it. The movie is just very strictly against interspecies uh, mating, and I actually don't know. No, I, 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 think you, I think you get my point, though. Yes, yeah. I do. Yeah. I, I, yeah. So are you saying, Aaron, that it bothered you? I am not saying it bothered me. I'm saying that because of the world that we live in, and specifically my own life and where I work, these things are in the forefront of my mind mm. at all times in a, in a way that they have not been in the past. Okay. Mm. And so I'm a little more sensitive to how others might feel mm. despite the fact that it doesn't really bother me at all. Okay. Sensitive. Okay. That it, definitely, it definitely seems to celebrate a lack of inclusion, uh, which is something mm. I think the 2016 reimagining almost does the opposite of that because it celebrates Mowgli's, manness within the confines of the jungle whereas this one is Mowgli there are moments of him adapting to animals but it's clearly indicating that he's never going to be an elephant he's never going to be a bear he's never going to be these things and it's played for fun and it's played for entertainment but it's definitely whether intentionally or unintentionally making that statement that no matter what you do you're always going to be who who you are take that for what it is, whether it can be celebrated or not, but I think the movie is making that statement in some way, shape, or form. Hmm. That's an interesting point. Okay. I Man, I did not expect this conversation to go this way. I really appreciate Aaron and Patch, you guys' outlook on this. Wow. I was not thinking about this movie in this way at all. So, uh, <laughs> one way, though, um, something that's sort of... Paul, you said... This is my... I know this just like I have, by the way. You said... For you, Mowgli felt like he wasn't weighed down. Is that what you said? Yeah, like when he's climbing down a rock or something, you could see okay, a foot yeah. that's supposed to be planted. That's right. But it slides a little. Yeah. So know something else that Mowgli wasn't weighed down by? Obedience. Yeah, that, that really frustrated me. Jeez, just listen to Bagheera. He tells you to do something. Why? Bagheera's <laughs> not his dad. Bagheera's what? a panther. You don't he's have to try, listen to panthers. Try and be you like don't have that. to listen to humans. Try and be like that. my dad. Yeah. You're not my You're real not dad. My dad. <laughs> Anyways, that bothered me. <laughs> well, actually, let me let me actually paste that back. It wasn't so much his disobedience, just his snotty attitude toward yeah. Bagheera. So I guess that's a little different towards anybody. Well, yeah, and anybody. Yeah, yeah, and exactly. Bagheera is an authority figure in his life. So yeah. he reminds me his relationship with Bagheera reminds me a lot of uh, of Simba's relationship with Zazu. Yes. In the Lion King. Yes, yes, where yes. He, where Zazu is trying to keep him in line. He's like, you're going to be king. He's like, I don't really care. I'm a juvenile <laughs> idiot. And, you know, <laughs> I grew up and lose my dad in order to, to be something like that. So, yeah, definitely a similarity there. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see that. Yeah. And let's go back to Paul. What's something else you didn't like? Okay. So at the beginning, uh, the wolf pack decides Mowgli needs to leave. And for once, you know, before that, I'm sorry, I'm trying to figure out where I should start. Before that, the they didn't know if the wolves were going to accept him and the mother does. And then they didn't know if the dad was going to accept him and the dad does. And it looks like, oh, it looks like he's going to have a good relationship with the, the mother and father of the wolf family there. It's like, oh, that's great. Then the pack decides he's got to leave because, you know, Shere Khan. And then there's no goodbye to his dad, to his mom, to his brother. He's just like, get on Bagheera's back and leave. It's like, 
but he's been raised with them 10 years. I'm like, what? No, no. There was an emotional connection, and now there is not. It's just, all right, move along. We got to move the story. And I thought it was uh, too abrupt for that uh, that setting. I totally get that. Do you feel like kids, though, uh, would care as much about that? or I feel like they wouldn't. I oh you mean story wise? I thought you meant Mowgli as a kid. Would he care? No, yeah, story wise, yeah, yeah, story wise, probably not because I didn't notice it till now. Okay, <laughs> they're in it for the cute animals and and the bouncing yeah. around between them. Yeah, I did notice that too, Paul. The, the wolves are in it for like one hot minute and they yeah. are gone. Yeah. Yeah. they don't show back up. I honestly, when we watched the the remake, I'm like wolves. I don't remember wolves in the Jungle Book. <laughs> this is weird. Okay, is this? And so I was, I was like. I'm curious if they cut if that wasn't a part of this version, but oh, oh, apparently they were. <laughs> so yeah, I I was very surprised, but take yeah, it as you not will. so nice to the wolves. Yeah, and the, but I agree that is sad that you, they don't seem to care about that relationship as much. Uh, but patch, what's something else you didn't care about? Well, I think this ties into my first uh, dislike and. I had an issue with the number of potential villains in the movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are three, and these exist in the 2016 reimagining. Mini as bosses. Well. <laughs> but the thing here, and here's, I could call them that, except for the fact that the main boss has about as little screen time as the wolves do. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't feel menacing. Oh, He's, he did to me. Yeah, he did well, to me. Too, again, but... yeah, for me, yeah. he was not a a villain that had enough agency to make me care about his evilness or whatever it was. Did he um, make I, you feel more like you wanted a box of frosted flakes? Cause they're great. Yeah. Something like that. More, <laughs> more so like that. I got hungry afterwards for some reason. And now I know why, but to me, I think Ka and King Louie had as much agency as Shere Khan did, even though their, their motives were different. Ka wanted to you know, he wanted Mowgli for himself. He wanted him, I guess, see, King Louis to me feels like the main villain in this because he has, really? he has more screen time. His motive feels a little bit more menacing in that he wants fire. He wants to be like, he wants to be like Mowgli He's because he wants of to stay doing. warm at night. No, I think I he wants to watch but, the world burn. <laughs> sometimes you want to watch the world burn that's for sure but i think that my my big issue is the fact that i don't know that the film felt like it had a central villain in it i mean sure Khan was introduced he was given his motive and then he didn't show up again until the end and it didn't make that fight which aaron pointed out lasted less than a minute very triumphant it didn't feel like a climax of a movie it felt like oh here's just another adventure in the life of Mowgli it just happened to involve fire so that it just didn't work for me and I think that goes back to like uh, Aaron's tragic maker of this feeling uh if I got this right it fell in like this was just a bunch of episodes or maybe that no that was your the thing you said patch that this yes. felt just episodic. Yeah, I, I totally get that. And but it was Aaron's tragic maker too. Oh, oh, that's right. Okay, so that's why I'm conflating the two. <laughs> but yeah, and it's almost like they needed a boss for each little episode. Um, so I, t- I totally see that. <clears throat> uh, Aaron, I never thought that, that uh, King Louis was a villain, though. I thought he was a cool alternative. He's just a jazz man. He cares about the jazz. Yeah. Um, I you know I, I agree with you, Paul. I didn't really ever feel like he was a villain, though. I can see how it can be construed that way. I definitely can see that. But I, I want to hear um, one more, uh, just like 
Aaron had before we get to the rest of our tragic makers. Dudes, testosterone. Why is this an all-male jungle except to- for one female elephant? This is an entirely bro movie. There Every is a female is wolf. Male. Was there? Yeah, yeah the, the mom. mom. Oh, but she's in it for even less than the female elephant. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but the point is, like, there that, is nobody who is a main character in this film. And, and I'm again, I'm not the one that normally beats the social justice warrior. Like, hey, every movie's got to have this perfect split of you know race and gender, etc. But it felt a little weird that none of them were women. This was a I, very much a bro movie. I well, think but, it was to uh, create the impact of the ending more. That, that he's so. not really been around. Like the only way you're going to get a girl is if you go be a human. Oh, oh, oh kind of that motif. Okay, I could see I that. Uh, one thing that I guess my only pushback would be, and you could certainly make the case that this isn't doesn't have to be this way. But most of the animals, I think that they, except for the the wolves and the elephants, which I totally agree with the elephants. I mean, herds of elephants are female and then bull elephants will come and try to breed every during breeding season there aren't groups of male elephants generally so that that was annoying just from a i mean that's really how it is in the jungle if you're going to depict that you should do that but other than them i think most animals are more solitary so they i feel like they just probably happen to pick males because those would be the ones i guess that mowgli would uh relate to the most as much as a human can relate to an animal Mm -hmm. Uh, so I guess from and, that perspective, it makes sense since this is. What if they were written that way, like the original source material? Uh, that could be as well. Yeah. So take it up I with Kipling, Aaron. Don't think <laughs> there's enough uh, of a story that requires them to be male for it to have to be that way. Other sure. than Baloo, I think Baloo makes sense. Yeah. But I, I don't know. It was just it, again. I think I mentioned this in the very beginning on how I had. Maybe it was off air. I had a lot of likes, and I had to kind of yeah, yeah. <laughs> things I didn't like. No, that's fair. So this is not something that disrupted my enjoyment of the film. It was just something I noticed. Okay. Fair and enough. That's probably why they made Ka a female. Oh, and the uh, update, yes. Yeah. Good point. Well, let's get to the rest of our tra- tragic makers. Like Aaron said, the episodic nature of it, I, which I totally get. Uh, let's go with uh, Patch. What's your tragic maker for the Jungle Book? Well, to to, to quote the, the Goose from Top Gun, we, oh, Aaron okay. and I, probably agree <laughs> when it comes to what the, things define tragic makers and dislikes. Because what one of your dislikes was was my tragic maker, and that's the that ending of the film. Me. The ending. Okay, the whole movie, we see Mowgli adapting to wanting to be connected to other animals in the jungle. I love, love, love this theme. And John Favreau really, really amplifies this. So I'm going to say biasly that I'm probably influenced by the 2016 reimagining. Weak. You know, can't, can't enjoy films in a bubble, apparently a vacuum, but even, even this connection with blue. I was, I was, I was inverted. Yeah. (laughs) I wanted to give this movie the finger based on this last tragic maker, right? Can't uh, foreign so, relations. Yeah. So <laughs> when did this become a Top Gun podcast? I don't mind though. I'm okay with that too. Okay. So he has this amazing connection with Baloo and this emphasizes the sense of like-mindedness and family. Mm-hmm. And then 
the end of the movie comes along. He sees a girl and he's like, peace out. See you guys. Yeah. Which, yeah, what's a juvenile kid filled with hormones going to do? Yeah, right. Whatever. But it just seemed to turn the whole point of this movie upside down. Yeah. It didn't seem, it didn't feel like a resolution. It felt like this weird message of no matter how hard you try, you won't escape who you are. And that's oh. kind of a weird slant that mm, can be argued one way or the other, which in 2016, the adaptation or the reimagining kind of hints at that, but he, it, it puts it in a different light. I it thought the celib- message was uh, girls are better than boys. That's probably one of the messages, <laughs> which might be a little such, well, not misogynistic because that would, you know, whatever. But I think that rather than celebrate differences in the ability to adapt, what it does is it basically says you are who you are and you can't change it. And you're going to basically give up any other opportunity to have your ability to change or adapt. And I, I just feel like it's a mixed message and it doesn't really pay off for me. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's an ending that feels like, okay, let's, let's wrap this up. Let's land this plane because, <laughs> the, whole, because the whole point, you know, based on my wing, my, I'll take you all the way my, in. <laughs> he's running out of gas. Right. <laughs> and if the overall story was just a series of events as Mowgli's walking through the jungle just to get to the man village, then this makes perfect sense because that's what we're rooting for. Get to yep. the man village, get to the man village. But the movie doesn't really ask you to do that. I mean, we see his relationships with these different individuals grow and, and adopt. And then he just says, all right, guys, appreciate the adventure. I'll see you when I see you. And then we have this nice little moment that Aaron pointed out was a great moment, uh, which was with Baloo and uh, <laughs> and the Panther. I can't but yeah. Thank, you. Thank you. Just kind of walking as um, you know buddies back into the jungle. Well, like our job so, is done. So let me let me ask let me stop you there, Patch. Before I totally forget what I'm going to say, <laughs> could it be that this movie is a bit more about? being a parent and letting go of a child. I mean, cause if nope. you take of Bagheera and, and uh, Baloo as the, the parental units, it, it does. I guess if you look at it that way, it is sort of like, well, we tried to train him as best we could. We had two different approaches and we did our best, but now he's, he's out. out he's left the nest and hopefully he, he does. Okay. Is that the best you can do? <laughs> I was, yeah. I would buy that, except Bagheera doesn't feel the least bit bad or sad about <laughs> Mowgli leaving the jungle. He's oh, like, go "All on. right, good. Let me go. Let me go get a you know a panther beer or something like that because I've done my job." <laughs> right. He's just kick him out of the house. Whereas, yeah. whereas well, yeah, whereas Baloo, who's only known him for I don't know how long this duration of the movie is yeah. outside of the hour and a half or less than an hour and a half that it it lasts, but seventy nine minutes. Thank you. A so long for seventy nine minutes. We'll for see. 45 of those 79 minutes, we get Bagheera, and then for like maybe 20, we get Baloo, and yet Baloo seems to have more of an emotional connection and an emotional loss with with Mowgli leaving. So to me, I don't know if that argument holds up, because if Bagheera is supposed to be the, the quote, parent in this, this is a parent that was ready to get rid of their kid. This was mm-hmm. like, maybe maybe the Jungle Book as a, as a story was basically a kid living through high school and a parent getting ready to like say, all right, you're 18, get out of the house. That was your man village. Your man village is college and you're on your own. Well, some parents are like that. I'm sure. I Maybe. guess they are. My two dads, the animated. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I'm, 
I mean, I, I, I get your point, though, that it's almost like you can't escape your fate. Is that kind of what along the lines of what you're saying, Patch? Yes, but it's not that that I have a problem with. It's oh, the okay. fact that it's slanted in a negative way. Because, again, I have no problem admitting that I have an influence from the 2016 reimagining because the reimagining does the opposite of that. Uh-huh. The movie does not end with, spoiler alert, just turn your ears off if you haven't listened to our episode or watched the 2016 movie. Mowgli goes back into the jungle. He adapt- He is a man and he he's a man man cub, a man now, but he adapts to living with the animals. And John Favreau has paid that off because he has lived this whole movie adapting and using his tricks and all that stuff. And so the ending makes sense. Whereas this version, Wait, it's he, frustrating. He goes back into the jungle in the John Favreau ver- version. He doesn't yeah, go he ne- into the village. He never goes to the man village. Well, he does to get the fire and then runs out to go. He to goes running through the tunnel. Oh, no. Okay, that's era. right. I remember now. Thank you. Yeah, it sort of bookends the beginning. And then we get that awesome end credit sequence. Okay, but now I remember. Thank you for reminding me. Yeah. So what I, th- it, it's not the fault of the 2016 version existing that I have a problem with the 1967. It's the fact that the 1967 story sit, tends to not give me the ending. It doesn't give me the ending that I want. I don't want him to go to the man village because he spent, you've given us so much time with him adapting and building relationships with these other creatures throughout this, this jungle. And now he's leaving. It's, he's not coming back. Mm -hmm. I mean, if he does, he's probably bringing fire because he's going to grow up and realize that animals are bad or something like that. And he's just going to burn the whole, you know, jungle down. But I just, Mm, I didn't like it. I thought, (laughs) I thought that he needed to stay because of that investment that we see him make with uh, with Baloo in particular, but the other yeah. animals as well. well Especially when Baloo's um, begging him, no, come back. Yeah, really. Apparently in, in Kipling's uh, books though, or stories, he actually, the wolves come and visit him in the man village as he grows, and I think he goes back in every so often too. So I guess it is just a fault of this Disney version that it's left that, that way. Yep. But Paul, what is your uh, tragic maker for this film? Okay, well, I don't agree with Patrick that uh, that the episode that the episodic story here to get out of the the jungle is. I don't. I think it's it's great all the little adventures he has with Ka and and uh, and uh, King Louis and stuff. But I do most heartily agree with Aaron at that ending. It is the worst, possibly the worst movie ending of all time. I have felt that way as a kid, um, and I still feel that it it's not as bad as, as an adult, but basically the ending is the stupid boy leaves a lifetime of fun in the jungle for a girl who ain't nothing but trouble. So you she's trouble? That's what Baloo says. Hey, stay away on- from those. They're, they're nothing but Hello? trouble. Well, but so that's a bit, uh, yes, but that's all Mowgli knows about it. And so I can understand. I was like, okay, I think she's kind of cute. I'm going to come back and revisit her every now and then, but to leave the jungle and basically spend the whole movie, you know, if there's 97 minutes of this movie, he's spending 95 of it trying to stay in the jungle. And the last two minutes, he's like, cute girl. And now he's, he's only 10 years old too. So his hormones aren't in you know that much overdrive yet i understand yes there is attraction there but it not enough to sabotage all his friends and family over it so it's 
it does not the ending of the movie does not satisfy the build up that that has pretty much nothing to do with my tragic maker paul but excellent <laughs> i can i i mean i can't disagree with you mine actually is kind of tied with uh with uh, patch and aaron's perception but in a different a different spin the, this it really bothered me that Bagheera kept essentially saying whenever Mowgli would want to go off and be by himself or throw a fit or go off with Baloo or Baloo wanted to go do his own thing. It's like, fine, I'm just going to leave you to it and just, and just, uh, just go fine. And then, and then Bagheera leaves and then, Oh, here's danger. Oh, he comes back. And that happens like two or three times. I'm like, dude, commit. If you're not going to care, fine. Don't care. Go. I, it's just really bothered me that is like, Oh, I'm I'm just empty threats, empty threats. I'm going, I'm going. I don't think it was empty threats. He just got tired. You only have so much energy to give, and then like, all right, I'm spent. I've given all I can, and then afterwards, he's like, all right, you know what? I do. I all right, I care more than I thought I did. No, I, I mean, I that didn't. That's not how I read it. I guess it could okay. have been that, but th- there's nothing of of how they either in dialogue or in expression that evoked that for me i I, so i just assumed he was like oh well whatever i i guess oh there's trouble i guess i gotta go back and rescue him yeah uh, because he cares about the kid yeah i i saw it probably the opposite more of act of love he gets frustrated if you want to use your parenting analogy especially you know he's a parent who's like you know, I'm done, kid. I'm not going to come pick you up when you fall over on your bike again. But the moment the kid falls over, you're, you know, sprinting down the the hill to go pick your kid up. Yeah, but mm-hmm. if you at the same time if you're if you're saying, "Okay, put that down. You're getting a timeout." Oh, I really mean it this time. No, now this time you're really going to get a timeout. I mean, it's not a good way of parenting. It undermines your authority. Exactly. Sure. So, yeah. I feel like but your solution is far more it's a different it, it, He's trying to get him out of the jungle. That's his time out. Like, out. He's trying to get there. It's just... Then he shouldn't say, I'm done with you. Fine. I'll just leave you. He should say, okay, you know what? I need need a break. Or (laughs) I need need to go take a smoke or something like that to, to just show that... He's not... Hasn't a kid ever exasperated you so much that you're just like, I can't deal with you right now? Yeah, but I don't... Okay, that's what he's doing. At least that's how I took it. All right. Uh, that's not how I took it. I don't remember the dialogue specifically. But, yes, but it I sounded understand. like he was like, no, I'm out of the picture now. Fine. I understand your the inconsistency is definitely there, and I yeah. can see how that could be frustrating. Okay. Well, now that we've bared all our frustrations about this movie, <laughs> fine, Patch. Why are you shaking your head at that awesome pun? <laughs> I was hoping we would go an entire podcast about that, but... Alas, who am I talking to? The uh, king and maybe the court jester of dad jokes. Or that's whatever. right. <laughs> it's a necessity on this podcast. Exactly. All right. <laughs> so I just want to be like you, Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> Something else Trust that's us. a necessity of this podcast is our final reign. <laughs> Let's get to it, guys. Alice? Firing solution complete. Rating salvo at the ready on your mark. All right. How do we rate The Jungle Book? Is it a classic? We'd recommend anyone go out and see this movie. 
or is it nostalgic? We'd only recommend it's worth a rewatch for people that enjoyed it as kids, or at least remember seeing it as kids. Or a tragic movie, it's not worth seeing today. Maybe go out and see the live-action remake ever. Or, and if you have good memories of it, probably don't sully those memories with a rewatch. So let's start with our guests, as we like to. First off, Aaron, how do you rate The Jungle Book? Well, I kind of made up my own definitions going into this thought process. So by your definition, no, 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 your, your definition is fine. My definition of a Disney classic is top tier is the best of the best. uh, And we'll make you better. I don't feel the jungle book reaches that level. So for me, it stayed nostalgic. I think that there are a ton of memorable moments and things to love. I overall would rather revisit this than the reimagined version just by a hair. But I don't find any elements of it to be game changing in that classic sense. So I love it, but it's not it's not a movie that is one of the best that Disney has ever made. Oh, some people disagree. So nostalgic. Nostalgic. All right. So just like your prediction, Uh, Patch, how about you? Well, as I was going through this, I I watched it with my son and um, I... I, I love the fact that he was laughing at all the physical comedy parts, which did not surprise me. He loves all the, like the special, the parts when Kyle was getting manhandled or snake handled or whatever it is that you want to call it. And so I loved seeing him laugh. And, uh, and afterwards I was like, Carson, did you like that? And he goes, yeah. So would you ever want to see it again? And he goes, no, not really. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh wait, did a, did a cute girl walk in? At, oh. Right when you asked, okay. no, my wife was not there at all. <laughs> and the sad thing was, is I kind of had to agree with him. Uh, <gasps> I ended up kind of downgrading. I didn't kind of downgrade. I did. I downgraded this to tragic. <gasps> and I just, this is. I mean, it surprised me too. I'm, I'm a guy who likes to keep things positive, but this is a movie that I probably will not revisit um, for. As much ever. as ever, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if I have to, if we're covering it at some point on a different podcast on movies that make you cringe, then maybe. But I, I just, this is just not, no, it did not hold up at all. You're not me. feeling it. I was I was feeling something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fair yeah, enough. So downgrade from nostalgic to tragic. All right, Patch. Paul, how about you? This is sad. Because I think it's a classic. I would recommend anyone go out and see this movie. Really? Are you kidding? Okay. Yeah, it has great songs, great characters, great animation. I mean, not not technically not the best, but yes, if you if you haven't seen this or if you enjoyed it as a kid, definitely I recommend rewatching it again. All right. Well, so I'll so, say this, guys. One of the things that, that makes- I like best about being the host of the podcast <laughs> is when. Everybody votes something different. It's going to be whatever I say it is. <laughs> That's not how this works at all. Okay. So I will say that one of the things that makes for um that really hurts a movie in my eyes is if I fall asleep during it. I was standing up trying to stay awake for this movie and I literally almost fell down. That's because you're standing up when you're when you're sleeping. Not that's not the movie's fault. 
I wasn't oh, I'm sorry. Enough. I'm sorry. I said you have the floor. Go ahead. I was sleeping. I was trying to stay awake to watch it to stay engaged. And I honestly, like, during this was during the climax. I had to rewind to see what happened with Shere Khan because I just like, wait, I know something happens with this fire and tail, but I don't remember seeing that. So I had to rewind and see it again because it's just, yeah, this movie just, I kept, like, looking at the watch and, like, getting up and doing something else. Okay. I'll, I'll come back and, and watch a little bit more. And it just, it did not, as much as it was, I agree with you guys, or guess it was, had this episodic feel. I felt like it needed, maybe it just needed more of a through line to keep me connected and wanting to stay and watch it. So for me, I, honestly though, I love this discussion. I thought this was, this one places I didn't expect. And I, I loved that we rewatched this to discuss this movie, but I wouldn't want to watch it again. And I, Though I think it's a safe movie for kids to watch. It's not one where I'm like, let's go watch this. Let's go watch The Jungle Book. So for me, it's a tragic as well. So with all our calculations put in, according to the Retro Rewind podcast, we rate The Jungle Book a disputed tragic movie. We'd probably recommend you don't seek this one out. Unless maybe you have kids and they might want to see it. But in case you're wondering, hey, Francisco, what happened to that... uh, you guys used to do, you were averaging these scores. And so if you average all these together, you get nostalgic. Well, Paul and I talked about, yes, this is Francisco from the future. By the way, it's amazing here. <laughs> Actually, when you're listening to this, I'm probably in the past. Oh, wow. Crazy. It's so hard to think fourth dimensionally. Anyway, Paul and I discussed it. We're going to go back to just majority rules for the ratings not sure why I ever changed. I think that's kind of a brain fart on my part. Anyway, back to the RRP crew from the past past. Us, please bring us back to our own time. Good old 2018. 2018? Comsat online. Receiving incoming transmission. We got quite a bit of uh, general feedback this time, so I'm going to read that now. First off, uh, Rathion from Twitter gave us a shout-out on a recent uh, YouTube video he made, so that was really awesome. You can uh, do a search for Rathion, R-A-T-H-E-O-N, and I think Hudson, no, Rathion Hudson maybe? I think that's right. Yes, Rathion Hudson. Uh, He uh, do a a search on YouTube uh, for his channel, and his latest video, I think, has uh, the shout-out of us. So thank you very much for that, Rathian. He also tweeted us, I'm glad there's a whole catalog of movies out there for you guys to review. You make me smile every day when I need it most. I'm very grateful I found the podcast. So thank you so much for that, Rathian. Uh, Chris Owens uh, wrote us, and he says, Thanks again for all you guys do. I've listened to your podcast off and on for a while, and I've always been able to tell you are fellow believers, and I really enjoy the way you simply live out your faith through your words on the show. But oh, I really secrets out. <laughs> but I really enjoy no one listens to the end of your ball. What are you talking about? Uh, but I'm just kidding. But I, you right now, you are awesome rewinders who are listening to this right now. You're the best. Uh, but I really enjoyed the bonus show last night, referring to the one we did for Care Bears. Mm. Uh, I also, I also always enjoy podcasts that I can listen to that are not swear words every three words. 
Hmm. I got I totally with you there, Chris. Uh, which was quickly. Was pointing at us, Aaron. I'm, 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 I know I wasn't pointing at you guys. You guys don't. I don't recall. Yeah, every the four last words time is fine. <laughs> every three, not so good. Chris feeling the f word. Chris <laughs> finishes by saying, uh, "So every a swear word every three words quickly turned me off." Of many other podcasts, keep up the great works. Thank you so much for that, Chris. And finally, uh, Ryan Jackson uh, says, "So I think and." So I think it's really cool. Retro Rewind Podcast has been around long enough that I felt a sense of nostalgia on the Care Bears episode because it was you, Paul, and Christy, the original crew, just like old times. Mm. So that was, that was really cool to hear from you, uh, Ryan. So thank you, everyone, for your feedback. It's always a treat for us to hear what you think about the show, good or bad. But honestly, I prefer hearing the good. <laughs> if we're honest... Now, a couple of show announcements. I just want to say one more time that I'm in the middle of SNES Quest, which is on Twitch. I'm playing through and trying to beat every game that comes with the Super Nintendo Mini, that small one that comes with like 21 games pre preloaded. So if that sounds like a fun time to watch me try to beat those games, uh, check me out, check us out because it's Retro Rewind Podcast Twitch stream at twitch.tv slash retro rewind pod. And that's pretty much every Friday night at uh, 7 30 Pacific is when I'll do those. And they usually last an hour and a half to an, uh, two hours. Uh, now, for general announcements, vote on the movies we cover at RetroRewindPodcast.com slash vote. Buy our t-shirts at RetroRewindPodcast.com slash store. You can probably tell I'm reading this. Get bonus content and more by supporting us on Patreon at RetroRewindPodcast.com slash support. And contact us at RetroRewindPodcast.com slash contact. How else can people reach us, Paul, and you specifically? You can talk to us on social media. We are Retro Rewind Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And you can also watch us record these very podcasts as well as live streams of video games and pixel art illustration um, if you follow us at twitch.tv slash Retro Rewind Pod. But if you want to find me, Paul J. Powers, you can go to pauljpowers.com and say hello to me there. Or you can just listen to the next episode when we cover the movie Gremlins from 1984. Indeed. Watch out for Gizmo and don't feed him after midnight. Uh, thank you, Paul, for being an awesome friend, awesome co-host, and I just appreciate getting to do this show with you each time oh. we record. Likewise, even though you hate Disney, and I love it. So it's fine. It's a yin and yang. It's okay. It's Baloo and Bagheera. Yeah. I don't hate Disney. All right, neither do I. He's dead. <laughs> oh, gosh. Wow. That was worse than mine. <laughs> I am also super grateful to our guests, both Aaron and Patch. It's so great getting to do these crossovers with a feeling film. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, can you please tell us? Let's start with Aaron. Uh, where can people find you and your awesome podcast online? And is there anything specifically you want to promote? Well, you can find our awesome podcast. Everywhere you can find Retro Rewinds podcast, except for Twitch. We don't do Twitch. Okay. Uh, you can find us on iTunes and Stitcher and Google Play and iHeartRadio and Spotify and plug in Feelin', that's with an apostrophe at the end, film, and you can pretty much pull us up on Google. We'll, we'll uh, pop right up. But you can also find us at feelinfilm.com if you prefer to stream episodes from the web. We do a weekly episode drop every Monday morning, and typically we release mini-sodes throughout the month on usually like Thursday mornings or sometimes Friday mornings, but 
we're pumping out content as much as we can and feel like we should. You mm-hmm. can also follow us on social media at Feelin' Film on Twitter or the Feelin' Film. We have a Facebook group as well. It's pretty active and we love people to come talk. Awesome. Yeah. And I, I re- I'm a big fan of your guys' show. I really enjoy it. I, the only thing I have is for newer movies, I have to wait till I watch them to see them because I'm yes. one of these spoiler sensitive guys. But we are a full spoiler podcast. Yeah. So uh, it, for new releases, it is imperative that you see the film before you come listen to us because we like to get in depth. And our goal is to talk about movies from an emotional angle mm-hmm. and try not to get too wrapped up in the technical elements. Yeah. It's and yeah, unlike this podcast, like photorealism. <laughs> oh my god! Yes, you brought up photorealism too, and I like the. Why do we keep spinning around on this? <laughs> but thank you so much, Aaron. Uh, and yeah, definitely check out Feeling Film podcast. Was, and uh, again, our Jungle Book, the 2016 version, was episode 114. Uh, Patch, how about you? Where can people find you online? I'm usually hanging out on Facebook and Twitter. You can find me at Shoeless Patch, S-H-O-E-L-E-S-S-P-A-T-C-H. Just do a little quick search, and you should find me at those two places. Very good, very good. Uh, now go your room, Patch. Most of all, I appreciate you. Yes, you do not go to your room unless you're in your room listening to this, in which case you can stay right there. But Thank you. Thank you so much. Whether this is your first time listening to the show or you're part of our Rad Rewinder community, thank you for sp- spending time with us. And we, we really pray that you're more joyful now than when you first hit play. Uh, I have been and continue to be Francisco Ruiz. Find me on Twitter and Instagram at FXRUIZX. And you can hire me to do pixel art illustrations for you. I enjoy doing those. At, uh, Retro Re- on Fiverr at RetroRewindPodcast.com slash Fiverr. Finally, we are proud to be a part of the Retro Junkies Network at theretrojunkies.com and the Christian Geek Central Network at christiangeekcentral.com. You can catch us at either of those, but like a Pokemon, we got to catch you all on the next episode of the Retro Rewind Podcast. Retro Rewind Mission Complete. Proceed to Nap Point Omega and return to base. And that's what podcasts are.